The following program is intended for mature audiences. Football fans, make some motherfucking noise for the football show you never knew you wanted. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Broken Helmet. Coming to you live on tape on this Saturday, October 1st, 2022, with a vacation edition of the show down in sunny Florida at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino. Flew in yesterday to celebrate my brother's 40th birthday. Surprise him. We were supposed to come down with the old man. We were going to bring the eggy boys together, but unfortunately, my dad bailed. Hurricane got him all freaked out, but I said, hey, you're paying for the room. I'm taking you up on that offer. Flew down here, met up with uh, my sister-in-law, my brother, surprised him, went out to dinner, then ended up, you know, gallivanting around the casino, did a little gambling here, pulled a couple slots, played some blackjack, went to the poker room where saw one of the craziest things I've ever seen in a poker room ever, and I guess that the rules and regulations here are the poker chips are yours, they don't belong to the casino, so your property and whatever happens to them that's your gig so there's a table behind me i'm sitting playing some rinky dink one two table that was terrible terrible i sat down for two hours didn't get any cards i get one hand i two pairs queen and jacks i kind of milk it a little bit i should have been a little bit more aggressive on the turn and then all of a sudden the board pairs on the river i bet like 40 the guy comes over top at 80 i sit there i finally fold and i'm like hi whatever the guy next to me is like you folded i'm like yeah he's got me there's no way i got two pair he's got something he's either got the straight on the board or he's got a boat and the guy was like yeah no i got the boat so I waited all that time and then ended up having a losing hand but whatever i got out of it I, because the other deal would have been to call or even push uh so you know wipe the sweat from my brow on that one but anyway back to the event that happened so i'm sitting at this one two table and then behind me all of a sudden you hear this just fucking ruckus and it's like what the hell's going on like we're in a poker room why is there everybody screaming and i look up turn my head and there's some guy bolting out the door and everybody's like he's got the chips he's got the chips so i guess because you own your chips it must have been like a 510 table or maybe some maybe even higher limits but some guy gets up goes to the bathroom and the guy at the table stands up takes all the dude's chips and beelines out the door now where the poker room is it's right near one of the exits of the facility and there was like no security at all on the poker floor so this guy just took the chips and was out the door and gone the cops are all there all the rest i've never seen anything like it it was fucking batty um so anyway that ended my night because at that point they broke up the table and sent everybody on their way they were like oh no there's uh we're gonna put your table over at number 32 and so we all get up and we walk over there there's like four or five i think there's four of us at that point and there's one chair and then all the other tables are taken so i said you know what this is just an omen get the hell out of here while you haven't lost your shirt because nothing good's going to come out of this right now so that was kind of the end of my night walked around the rest of the floor did a little uh, random gambling on uh, slots and stuff, and then called it a wrap. But anyway, so down in uh, sunny Florida, speaking of being in Florida, want to give a shout out to all those that I ever worked with at 790. Uh, those of you that don't know, I 
did work at the 790 ticket down in Florida, which in 2004, might have been in 2003, but 2004 for sure, was a brand new startup radio station. And I was lucky enough to get an internship there. I started working with the Jeff DeFore show. Then I became his producer. I got put on full time and then that moved. And then I worked with OJ McDuffie doing the midday show. And I was there for about two years. Um, and 790 continued on from that point in 2004 up until this week. And they ultimately got bought out by, which is Odyssey, which I think, you know, going all the way back was Infinity Broadcasting to, I think, CBS Broadcasting. And I can't even keep track of it anymore. But Odyssey is what it is right now. And Odyssey had bought 790 whenever, what company it was, I'm not sure. But Odyssey now owned both 790 and WQAM 560, which when 790 started was the behemoth down in South Florida. And so they ended up consolidating a lot of the programming, the morning show, Joe Rose, which was originally QAM, but then came over to 790 when I was there, when it started, was being broadcast on both stations, the afternoon show, Crowder and Hockman, Hockman, who, when I was at 790 and starting up, he was the producer for the Dan Lebitard show. Crowder was in college, and then he ended up playing for the Dolphins for a hot bit. Anyway, their afternoon show was broadcast a bit, a bit across both stations. So when you put it all together, you got two stations running two, you know, operational budgets and you're really using just one program on either. So they ended up pulling the plug and that was it for 790. And oddly enough, Jonathan Zaslow, who was a producer similar to me and Zach Krantz when we first started out there, Andy King as well, uh, he ended up catching on and he went from a producer to having a full-time show and went the entire distance. So the Zaslow show existed for 18 years on that station and then he got let go and everybody was scratching their head as to why. Well, now the reason is, is because they consolidated the programming and there's just less slots. So, uh, but full 18 years for 790, the ticket fighting, trying to make a name for itself. And then ultimately, you know, it's tough to have two sports radio stations in any given market, much less here in South Florida. But it was a awesome place to work when it started out. If you ever work at a startup, there's definitely ups and downs, but it is surefire fun. And I was happy to be a part of it. I wish it had lasted longer. I ultimately went to the U in 03 to get a master's in broadcast journalism to have a career in sports radio. So, and that was my first gig and basically it was my only gig. I went to WIOD over there, but I wasn't doing any kind of production. I was actually running a board and that was when I decided to pull the plug on the whole deal. But 790 was my foray in sports broadcasting other than this podcast, which I do, me and my brother, for fun here. But um, it was a, an excellent time and, you know, happy trails to 790 and a shout out to everybody that I worked with. So uh, now that that is all out of the way. Uh, let's get back to the NFL. We've got one game in the books so far. That was the Bengals-Dolphins Thursday night game. Bengals victorious 27-15. to So the Bengals end up covering that game. I actually don't know what the over-under was because I didn't check. But coming in at 32 point, or 42 points, I believe it probably was an under because everything this year has been an under. So looking right now, the over-under was 47. And so it did hit. And if you listen to the Podcast Nation, Gambling Nation for the week, 
the under of that game was a pretty popular bet that you had heard. Um, I did not. I had a crazy bet going into that game that hit at the last second, and this was just kind of spec money that thrown out there, but I took a parlay. Bengals getting over 20.5 points. Chase getting over 59.5 yards receiving. And the Bengals' money line. So the Bengals had the game won. That was no problem. But Chase had 39 yards, and the Bengals only had 20 points. So I was screwed because the Dolphins were pushing the ball downfield. Uh, Bridgewater was the quarterback, and Bridgewater makes this terrible pick at the end of the game. There's like five and a half minutes left. And as soon as they get the pick, I said, shit, I'm in this. <laughs> I'm fucking in this because they're not up enough that they're just going to run the clock out. There's too much clock anyway. The Dolphins have time. They're going to push the ball downfield. I might get some stupid chase bomb here, and I might actually get the points as well. And wouldn't you know, Chase does get a bomb. That puts him at, I mean, think almost 80 yards for the game. It was like a 30-yard bomb. So he gets over his 59 yards. The Bengals ultimately then get the touchdown next. I think Hayden Hurst is the one that scored the touchdown. And so that gets him up to 27. So boom, there you go. Bengals money line, Chase over 59 yards, Bengals over 20 points, all in the period of five minutes. Thank you to Teddy Bridgewater and his terrible interception at the end of the game. So I'll end this first bit here before we start looking back at the results of last week, talking a quick second about Tua. I know everybody has talked about Tua, and so this opinion is probably nothing original within it. However, you know, look, I, I played football for about six years. I didn't play past high school, you know, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I played it, and I feel passionate about it, and that's why I followed the NFL, you know, since I was a kid up till now and doing this podcast here. But, you know, look, everybody remembers if they played football and it, let's say you played it back in the day, which is, you know, could be defined eight million ways at this point. But for me, it's going to be in the 90s. But you took shots, you know, it, it, seeing stars. Sometimes you get the snot knocked out of you, literally. And if you ever had a Z-leader mask, I had one my freshman year of high school the you know the plastic visor that you put on your face mask so people can't get their hands in your in your eyes whatnot, but there were several hits that when they say you get the snot knocked out of you you do <laughs> like you know, I've been hit and all of a sudden I open my eyes and I can't see through my Z leader mask because I, there's snot on it I remember what happened I just started laughing I said that's what they fucking mean by that um, so but you get your bell rung seeing stars I mean. People got concussed and didn't know about it. I know it happened to me. I, I remember plays where I was hit and then didn't know where the hell I was for maybe about five, ten seconds, trying to figure it out, looking around, being like, okay, I know I'm playing football. I know I'm on Highlands. I just don't know where the hell I am right now. Oh, yeah, we're in Bergenfield. And Mark Damon hit me. So it happens. And over time, we've learned a lot more. And obviously, CTE has really opened up the world to traumatic brain injury and what can ultimately happen. And at the NFL level, there has been, I mean, troves of evidence that the bad can be really bad. I mean, you talk about Belcher and the events that happened in Kansas City. Junior Seau blew his chest out to keep his head open. I mean, the stories go on and on and on. And that's just at the professional level. 
And at the lower levels, I mean, look, there are things that happen. I, in Jersey, there was just a, a kid, I think, in Linden that passed away several weeks ago from taking a headshot on kickoffs. And again, the most traumatic of all these events are usually on kickoffs, which is why they're trying to get rid of that special teams play throughout all of all of football, whether it's pros all the way down to high school. And I think that you will definitely see that within the next 10 years, that at least probably in the high school levels, that they'll just pull it out, you know, completely if they don't change it again. I mean, right now, the kickoffs, you know, they in the pros, they just go into the end zone half the time. So they've neutered it just by giving you basically this faux play to keep it alive for the two-point, not for the two-point conversion, for the onside kick. But basically the meat of it is gone so head injuries are paramount in a league which is why you now see the what they don't call them halo helmets what are the guardian helmets which are the foam pillows on top of the helmets uh in the pros that they wear now linemen tight ends linebackers in practices and in preseason which they've the nfl has went around beating their chest about how they've lowered the concussion rates. And I, you can only imagine that now that they are showing the statistics on how that's reducing head injury, how that's going to spread all the way down too. So uh, prepare to see the Guardian helmets throughout all levels of football going forward. It'll take time, but it, it'll get there as well. But with these injuries and all the evidence there, and then you have the Tua incident, which here's the deal. And I am obviously not alone. If you listen to any podcast, you've heard this from everybody. The Tua incident is almost criminal in nature. It really is. You know, and I don't know, you know, who would press a lawsuit if not Tua, right? But he was concussed last week. Everybody knows that. They said it was a back injury, but upon replay, head hit the turf. He gets up all woozy, falls down. I mean, come on. It's a head injury. And I don't care what doctor they roll out there. They could do any test after the fact. See, once you, let's say you get your bell rung, quote unquote, right? And you get the concussion. It could be on multiple levels, right? One that could knock you out significantly. The other one, it just kind of knocks you out a little bit, right? So Tua gets his wits about him, finishes the game, and he's fine. And all week, he passes all the tests etc, etc. But he had a concussion at one point. They couldn't prove it after the fact. I don't know if they wanted to prove it after the fact. And Tua didn't want to admit it because Tua is a football player and you want to play. And if you shake it off and then you play the rest of the game and in the week you feel fine, so long as light isn't producing headaches and sound isn't bothering you, and if you're going about your normal life and you're playing like you always were, you're not going to call any attention to yourself and you're probably damn not going to take yourself out of a game, right? But you have to understand that when you see visual evidence to that, something happened. (laughs) Something happened. And you just have to bench him just because it's like, imagine it's like you and your buddy and your buddy, you know, you see him fall, hit his head, whatever. You know, and he gets up and he's a little woozy and all the rest of it. Hey, dude, sit down, relax. You know, let's call it a night. You know, take you home, you know, go or maybe we'll go to the ER, get checked out. If you're feeling really terrible, make sure it's not a concussion because you don't want to go to bed after a concussion. You know, 
it could be the end of it. Um, but you would just do that for any person that you saw, you know, relax. Let's see. You know, I, I mean, I coach my young kids in soccer and when kids take shots, regardless, you know, a, a, a light ball to the head or, you know, they fall and they hit their head, you know, are you seeing any kind of stars? You know, are you having dizzy spells? You know, does anything hurt? I mean, you go through all the thing and you immediately take them off and you leave them off and, you know, you check on them routinely before you put them back in. And you're doing that with like little kids playing soccer. This is football with grown adults that weigh 300 pounds blasting each other in the head. Now, this shot was obviously on the turf, but whatever. Point is the same. And the NFL, as a governing body, did not come in and say, look, we've seen the evidence. He's not playing. We don't care what the doctors are saying. He's not playing. He was visually concussed last week. It's a Thursday night game. There's only a four-day turnaround. We're coming in as a governing body, and we're going to prevent him from playing. And we're sorry. You know, if you want to appeal and you want to take it to an arbitrator, that's fine, but there's only four days. It's not going to work. But we are making sure that he's not playing. Now, again, without knowing the legalities of the NFL and the Players Association, I don't know if that's even possible, but that should exist. And that's the way it should go down. Especially if the Dolphins and the owner, Ross, isn't going to step in there themselves and say, look, we love you. We know you want to play. But out of an abundance of caution, we're just going to keep you out. (laughs) Hell, think about COVID right now, right? Like COVID, which is done and over with, right? But if you're a parent, your kid's sick, or if you're a worker and you're sick, it doesn't even matter if you have a positive or not a positive COVID test, you're just staying home out of abundance of caution. That, that's like the verbiage that's used everywhere now when it comes to, out of abundance of caution, we're going to close the company for a day and have everybody work from home. Or we're going to close the school room out of abundance of caution. So out of abundance of caution, Ross and Dolphins should have just kept him out. But they didn't. And so the NFL should have stepped in and the NFL should have kept him out. And they didn't either. And then you have all of the, <laughs> the atrocity on the field that everybody saw on Thursday when he gets slammed to the ground. And then he has that cringe-worthy moment where you know the concussions produce bodily functions where they curl up. And I forget the name of it. You could look it up. I've seen it in the NFL before, I think, or at least college where somebody takes a hit and they're concussed and they convulse and they they have this seizure and it's a concussion symptom. And, and actually, a temporary paralysis uh, symptom too, I think. I have to look it up, but it's been in football before. I think at a recent NFL game in the past couple of years, if not a college game, but I know I've seen it and it's when it happens, it's scary as shit. And there it was to the guy who just got concussed four days before. And are the two related? Most likely. Even if they're not, the guy shouldn't have been on the field. And the NFL now is going to be forced, forced to come up with some kind of procedure that prevents this from happening again. Because happens once, shame on me. Happens twice, shame on you, right? Happens three times, 
you won't be fooled me again. Right? Bush, right? Whatever the hell it was. So anyway, terrible what happened. Never should have happened. I I don't fault Tua because he might have thought he was okay. Primary responsibility falls on the Dolphins. And then the responsibility after that falls on the NFL. And both of those guys screwed up and let the guy play. Shame, 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 walking down the streets all naked, shame, throwing tomatoes at him, shame, you know, whatever. But anyway, yeah, fuck those guys for screwing over to it and put him in there. And hopefully that won't happen again. But it's the NFL. They like to make money. Owners like to make money. It's a business, so it probably will. Anyway, let's get to our results. First down. So the trend continues. It is dogs and unders, everybody. Dogs and unders. Now, that could flip around next week. Who the hell knows? But as of right now, the dogs are 58% on the year after going 10-4 and four last week. And the unders are even stronger at 64% on the year, and they went 9-5 and five last week. What's crazier is that teases, which overall are about 69%. <laughs> But when you look at them individually, teased overs are only at 53%, just a hair over 50. The unders, meanwhile, are at 74%. So like I said, dogs and unders is where it's at. Home dogs right now are at about 57%. They went five and four last week. They didn't have that many. Remember, we have had, we've had two big weeks of home dogs. Week one, I think had 11 home dogs last week had nine or ten sometimes we don't include uh the thursday night game if we don't talk about it so but there have been weeks one and three huge home dogs and both those weeks the home dogs came out on top and now they're 57 percent on the year halftime leads a little funky they're usually pretty high up over the 70 percent but last week we saw at nine and five and the week before was nine and four so the halftime leads are only about again 69 percent um, which is just odd because usually you see a higher clip for those teams. So three weeks in, the play's a little funky, really hasn't hammered out solid. I mean, you know, we've mentioned in podcasts past about the whole preseason theory for weeks one through four, but you're seeing a definite impact from the shaky quarterback play and even more so from the lack of preseason, which has produced what you're seeing now, which is a mixed mosh of, of shit and teams that can't close at halftime, which is what you usually see. As for the Sharps money and the tickets, it's all about the Sharps and the money right now. Sharps are at 68%. Money is at 64 Tickets are split 50-50. And then when you get to my brother and I, how are we matching up against everybody? Well, Chris had the better week last week. He went 9-6 versus my 5-10. and 10. I was awful. I was beating my chest after the week before because I went absolutely ballistic. Uh, I, I went 12-3, and three and then I thought I was going to roll with it, and I didn't. I went the complete opposite way, went 5-10. and 10. Chris was better. He was at 9-6. and six. Our best bets, while I went 5-0 and oh the week before, I went 1-4 this week. Chris went 3-2. and two. So, again, for the week, Chris was 9-6 and six with 3-2 and two as his best bets or his super picks, and I was 5-10 and 10 with 1-4. and four. So on the year, I still have them. I'm at 53% win rate for both my total picks and my uh, super contest picks. He's at about 48% for his total picks and 40% for his super picks. But that could swing uh, you know, pretty quickly. So he usually gets me on these things, and I have a little bit of a lead. So I was happy with that one. 
I was doing it right um, up until last week, and then that brought me back down to earth. And for our gambling, uh, I ended up losing, but I hit the Bengals' money line, which got me out of the hole a little bit, so I I saved my losses. I'm at about 9,500 off the 10,000, so I'm down about 500. And Chris, he had a rough one. He's going to correct me. He's going to say he won something here that I, I got wrong, but... I have him down to 8,700 now after he won a, lost about 800 last week. He had a couple of single-game winners, but the rest of his stuff ended up going south. Chiefs really hit both of us uh, in different areas, but uh, he's down to 8,700 versus my 9,500. We're both under uh, even, so we're in the red right now. We've got to turn that around somehow and get on the positive side. And we're going to do that with our picks and big games, and that's where we're going next. Second down. So not a great slate of games this week, but there are two really good games. First one coming at 1 p.m. It's going to see Buffalo travel into Baltimore. Bills at the Ravens. Bills, the road favorite, favored by three points. Currently over under is 51 points. There's only going to be four home dogs this week, but Baltimore is going to be the first of them, and we're going to all look to see if... The Ravens can ride the Lamar Jackson train to another victory here. I mean, look, Lamar has had a year head and shoulders above most everybody in the NFL. Josh Allen probably would have been right up there until last week when Buffalo suffered that loss in Miami in the Tua game, I guess Tua one game, if you will, um, where a game that they Buffalo really should have won that game if not for a couple of mishaps here and there. Their offense really couldn't get the ball downfield. A lot of checkdowns last week for Buffalo. If you listen to NFL Content Nation, everybody talking about two high safeties, two high safeties. It's all about two high safeties now, right? The two high safeties have come in and have neutered uh, these monster quarterbacks in, in Mahomes last year and you know, now Allen this year. I, you know, The Tampa 2 has been around for quite a while, you know, the, Two eye safety. I, it's just funny how things come and go. But anyway, the two eye safety is now is the uh, in vogue term. In vogue? That's right. Anyway, uh, is the terminology everybody is using and the reason that Buffalo wasn't able to push the field last week. They end up suffering that tough loss to Miami. Baltimore, meanwhile, you know, I mean, week one, they beat up on a crappy Jets team. Uh, you know, it's just been Lamar fantasy owners are, are buying Lamar houses left and right because he is putting up numbers that are just keeping fantasy owners in the win column week after week with one player. I mean, last week, and I think in the league that I run and another league, the point system, I think he was up at like 40 points and I think he was more in other leagues. So Baltimore is going to look here to be the home dog and win it behind Lamar. Defense, a little shaky. Secondary, definitely shaky. I don't know. Me personally, I'm going to take the Bills. It's a three-point favorite for the team that I feel is better all around. Lamar's definitely on a hotter streak than Allen, but up until last week, you probably would have said Allen was the guy. I think they just have better skill position players. You know, I mean, running is just kind of moot because both these teams don't have anything going for them. I rate the Ravens. I haven't looked at DVOA this week, but last week I think they were dead last in uh, in rushing, which was crazy for a Ravens team. But they bring Dobbins back. Dobbins didn't really do a whole hell of a lot. He's going to play this week. I think Staley's going to be out again. Check the Sunday morning injury uh, list to see what's going on with Staley. But the Ravens 
just haven't been able to run. Meanwhile, the Bills, they've got that three-headed, mo- I don't know, a three-headed monster. It's not it's a, much a monster, but you have Moss, Singletary, and then Cook added into the mix. And they haven't really, Singletary's looked head and shoulders above, head and shoulders above all the other backs. Cooks, which I really thought was going to, he got 11 totes of the rock in week two. I thought they were going to feature him a little bit more in three, and I couldn't have been more wrong. But they're just doing it basically Allen through the air and then Allen on the ground, and then Singletary really has kind of come in there and played a key role. So are they going to be able to stretch the field like they did in weeks one and two? Uh, is Baltimore going to be able to see something in that Miami tape to you know keep the Bills to a check down offensive strategy? I don't know. For me, I'm going to end up picking Buffalo in this spot. My brother also is picking Buffalo. Again, I think they got the better team, the better roster, and I think they should be able to stifle Lamar Jackson enough to get the victory here on the road. The Sharps are with us in that regard because they're going to be picking the Bills. Tickets are basically 50-50 if you want to go to the numbers, all courtesy of the Action Network, and those numbers were pulled Today, Saturday, uh, 51% of the tickets. So you got 1% leaning more toward Baltimore, but whatever, that's a wash, right? Who cares about 51% of anything? Uh, the money, however, very heavy on the Ravens. So you're seeing all the money come in 81% in total on Baltimore in this one. So again, Bills favored by three, over under 51. Chris, me, Sharps and a small portion of the tickets all on the bills. The money's going to be coming in on the Ravens. That takes us to game two of the afternoon, which isn't actually in the afternoon. Check it, it's Sunday night football, and that's going to feature the Chiefs in Tampa Bay taking on the Bucks. So you get to see Mahomes, Brady, one of the baton passing games, right? Where Mahomes is going to have to take this game into the next generation as Brady is going to finally bid adieu here in the next year or two. You would think this is probably the final year based on everything that you're reading because shit's just getting a little too crazy in the Brady household, and I can't see them going past another year, especially since Tampa right now, this year has gone so south with all of the injuries, You know, starting with retirement on the line, then injuries on the line, then injuries everywhere else, plus all the publicity that he's gotten with everything going on with him and Giselle, it's just, it's too much. You would think that if this isn't the last year, maybe there's one more. But the Bucks here trying to right the ship after last week they end up losing to Green Bay at home in a close game, a game that they didn't have any of their offense. And right now they're a one and a half point dog at home. So two games, two home dogs, this time Tampa Bay, one and a half point underdogs to Kansas City. Over under here is 45 and a half. Can Tampa right the ship here now that they're going to get some of their offense back? Because they're, I believe they're getting uh, Mike Evans back today. I think Godwin is questionable. I don't think he's going to go. But it does sound like Julio Jones will be back. And then you have the Chiefs, who should have won the game last week. Very much like the Bills. Bills lose to Miami in a game that they should have won. Kansas City loses to... Indianapolis, a game that they should have won, and they only lost because Chris Jones got called for a bullshit unsportsmanlike conduct in the middle of the field for yelling something at Matt Ryan. And whatever yelled at Ryan, Ryan didn't say after the game, but he gets a terrible terrible flag, and that continued that drive, and that's what ultimately got them the score and then cost the game for Kansas City. You take that away, Kansas City gets that loss back, 
And I don't know if everybody's talking as much about how funky the Kansas City is playing. But look, the truth is, if you watch the tape, it doesn't look like the Mahomes offenses of the past. They don't have Hill. We've talked about that. Hill was a huge X factor. The question became, did he exist too much outside the system? And Andy Rhodes and Mahomes wanted to reel it in a little bit. But whatever they thought, it's not really transforming on the field because, look, games one and two, they look, well, games one, they look good. Game two against the Chargers, they won it, but they won it with, you know, a pick six. Mahomes didn't look fantastic. You needed Herbert getting banged up, and he still almost tried to turn around at the end of the game there. So the Chiefs have not looked phenomenal. They've looked, I think, better than the Bucks, but the Bucks defense is easily the best of the four squads in this game, right? Kansas City offense, Tampa Bay offense, Kansas City defense, Tampa defense, Tampa defense. That's where it's at. So that's where it's at, Rich. Talk. I will. Okay. Point being, I think that Tampa's defense is able to keep Kansas City in check. And with the additions back of Mike Evans, possibly Julio Jones, I think a second week at home. Now, granted, they had the hurricane, but they're still going to be playing at home here. It doesn't seem like Tampa um, got thrown you know, into too much disarray because of the weather event. So I think Brady is able to turn it around in this game and get the win at home. And you're giving me a dog? I probably could just go straight well, the, the odds are probably even enough that you probably just take Tampa in the one and a half. Why not? Because you're really not getting that much greater odds for taking the money line. But I think Tampa might be able to pull this one out here at home. I I don't trust Kansas City's defense enough. And I do think that Mahomes has not looked his best. And with Tampa up in his face on the road, I think they probably can keep him in check so that Tom can get the W here. So I'm going to go with the Bucks. My brother also is going with the Bucks. As for the Sharps, they're going to side with us. And again, the money is going to be on the other side, 70% going with the Chiefs. So we have pretty much the same lineup here in terms of who's on what side with the Chiefs Bucks as we did with the Bills Ravens. The only difference is that the tickets are going to be on the Chiefs side this time with what number? 69. <laughs> 69 all over the place this week. So the tickets are not going to be with us. They were about 50-50 with the Bills-Ravens game, if you remember, here 69% in favor of the Chiefs. So tickets and money with Kansas City and all the rest of us with the Bucks. So those are the two big games this week, and now we will go down and check out who we picked for all the other games on Sunday. Third down. So we continue with the week four games by heading across the pond for the first London game of 2022, 9.30 kickoff, Eastern standard time in the morning that is so for all those parents that run their kids around to soccer and flag football etc etc you get some early morning football so at least you got a full game in before you got to run all the tykes around vikings here favored by three points over under is 43 the sharps are going to be coming in on the saints questions abound about the saints quarterback position is going to be andy dalton is it going to be Jameis winston the vikings had an injury scare of their own as dalvin cook got hurt last week Madison stepped in there and replaced him, but it looks like Cook's going to be a go here tomorrow. So 84% of the tickets on Minnesota, 88% of the money on Minnesota, big money in tickets 
all over the Vikings tomorrow. My brother and I are going to be taking them as well. As for the Sharps, they're going to be laying into the Saints there as the uh, underdog in London. Next game up is going to be the 1 o'clock. We're going to start off with the Cowboys hosting the Commanders. Dallas currently a three-point favorite at home. Over under here is 41.5. Right now, there is no sharp action at all. Heavy tickets in on the Cowboys at 73%. The tickets pretty much split with a small lean toward Dallas. My brother and I also taking Dallas in that one, favored by three. Colts going to be hosting the Titans. Colts favored by three. Over under there is 42 and a half. Big tickets on the Titans at almost 70%. The money is basically split. A small lean toward Tennessee's favor in that regard as well. My brother and I are going to hop on the Titans. There is no sharp action there. So the Titans on the road, we're thinking that they're going to go through there and possibly get the win, but definitely cover the spread versus the Colts who were lucky to get that game versus Kansas City last week. So from Indianapolis, we'll head down to Atlanta. The Falcons are a road dog. So we were talking about road dogs previously. Were, sorry, home dogs. We were talking about that way earlier. There's only four this week. Falcons are another one. Falcons are currently dogs by one and a half to the Cleveland Browns. Over under here is 49 points, which is crazy. Expecting a lot of points out of here. Falcons have been uh, you know, a surprise story of 2022. Mariota getting there under center and has actually created a pretty scrappy offense uh, defense there under Smith. So right now, the Sharps are going to be coming in on the Falcons. Uh, I am actually going to take the Falcons as well. My brother is on the opposite side. He is going to take the Browns. As for the tickets, they are in favor of the Browns by 60%, and the money is split. So now we will head from Atlanta to Pittsburgh, where this, I think, is the money line lock of the week. The Steelers are hosting the Jets. Jets stink. They just fucking suck. I am sorry. It doesn't matter who's under center. Wilson's going to be there this week, but... They are just not a good football team. I really thought that they had started to piece things together. But when you watch them, it's just not coming together at all. It really isn't. Sal is a terrible coach. they got to get him out. He's a fantastic defensive coordinator, but he has not materialized as a coach. And you can see it right out of the gate. Coaches that should be coaches and coaches that are just better off as coordinators. And now people are pushing DeMarco Ryans, who replaced Salah as the defensive coordinator out in San Francisco. And if he gets a head coaching job, who knows? But I... You know, you can't just keep giving coordinators head coaching gigs. There's got to be, I mean, obviously, you have to elevate somebody to the head coaching ranks, but there's got to be a little bit more forethrough because you're seeing a lot of these coordinators step up there and it's just blowing up in their face. You know, Salah last year, Hackett this year, but whatever, getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Let's get back to the game. Steelers hosting the Jets. Steelers favored by three and a half points. Over under is 41 and a half. They're expecting nothing in this game. One of the three bottom uh, totals for the week. So the Steelers right now have a lot of tickets and money on their side. 67% of the tickets, 73% of the money. My brother and I both taking the Steelers. No sharp action in that game. Eagles will be hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars in the next game up. This is obviously the return of Doug Peterson to Philadelphia where he won the Super Bowl and then slowly just shit the bed and then was shown the door. Anyway, the Eagles currently six and a half point favorites versus Jacksonville. Jacksonville has played kind of strong here in 2022, but they're not going to get any love here as Eagles almost a 
full touchdown favorite at home. Over under is 46 and a half points. The tickets and money right now are siding toward the Jaguars. Small lean in tickets, but 60% of the money here on Jacksonville. A lot of people across Gambling Nation have liked Jacksonville in this spot. My brother and I are actually going to side on the Eagles. Look, six and a half is a lot of points, especially for a Jaguars team that has played very well. Uh, Peterson, who still knows a little bit about that team, is coming in. The team likes to play for him. All that rah-rah bullshit, I get it. I just think the Eagles have the better of both lines. They have the better quarterback, and their team is working at a more efficient level than the Jags. So I'm going to take the Eagles. If it's a blowout, it's definitely going to go the Eagles' way. At least that's what you would think, right? You can never really predict a blowout, but that's what you're going to kind of need if you're going to get the six and a half points here. But I think they can do it. Jaguars going on the road to Los Angeles last week, coming back here, and then they're not going home. They're going up to Philadelphia. You know, eventually something's got to break. I, You know, they've had a great year, but sometimes you need a regression in the mean. I'm thinking you're getting that game here. So the Eagles cover that six and a half. I'm going with Philly, as is my brother. Lions hosting the Seahawks. Lions super banged up. So injuries galore there. DeAndre Swift, he's gone. He's not in. St. Brown, stud wide receiver in his second year, he's out. So DJ Shark's going to step in for him. I think the running the running back is going to be uh, filled in by Williams. So Lions, three and a half point favorites versus the Seahawks in Detroit. 48 is the over under there. Sharps are going to come in on Seattle here. I did hear a lot of talk of Seattle as the week went on. Right now, tickets and money are basically 50-50 across the board. So nobody knows really what to do with this game. Um, Again, Sharps picking Seattle. A lot of podcasters I've heard Seattle mentioned. I'm going to take the Lions, as is my brother here. We're Me and my brother, I'm down here celebrating his birthday in Florida, but we're pretty much aligned everywhere on this entire weekend, not only down here hanging out, having fun, but shit with our picks. So we're both taking the Lions and the three and a half points. Now, my hometown Giants, they are going to be hosting the Bears. This is letdown spot galore. This is exactly what the Giants do. On top of losing the Monday night game, they come back, they got a home game versus the shitty Bears. They should be a lock for this game. This is the game they always lose. Maybe Brian Dable is able to right the ship and change the historic vibe of the New York football Giants, but I'm not seeing it. Anyway, Giants are favored currently by three. 39.5 is the over-under. This is the lowest total on the board. Nobody expecting points in this one. The Giants have the tickets by a small lean. The money is an even smaller lean toward the Bears. So this, again, is like a coin flip. But... I'm going to end up taking the Bears. My brother is also taking the Bears. I think on paper the Giants have the better team. I just have seen this movie play out time and time again, and it never goes in the Giants' favor. Scary enough, and you've heard this, if you've listened to content for the week, one of these two teams coming out of this is going to be 3-1. and one. Believe that shit. Three and one Bears or the three and one Giants, and those two teams are terrible. Anyway, my brother and I are going with Chicago. Chargers are going to be traveling to Houston. This is the final game on the one o'clock slate. 
Here we go. Our first big road favorite and our only big road favorite of the week. Chargers favored by five and a half points here versus Houston. The tickets and the money slight lean toward the Chargers, more so in the tickets, 58%, 54% for the money. The Sharps are going to take Houston. I'm taking Houston as well. Houston has been super scrappy, not to mention Chargers still banged up. Keenan Allen not going this week. Uh, Herbert still banged up. And big road favorites, they haven't really panned out. And I, you know, for Houston, as scrappy as they played, how many times can you say scrappy, Rich? Twice in this sentence, or twice in this segment. So for, as well as Houston has played, I think they can probably keep this to maybe a field goal game. So I'm going to go with Houston here. Sharps are also going with Houston, as I mentioned. And my brother is going to be on the opposite side of that. He's going to go with Los Angeles taking the charges. Flip over. Now we've got our 4 o'clock slate. Everybody was losing their mind this week because there are only three games here in the 4 o'clock window, and they all suck. None of them are good. I mean, maybe you can make a case for the final game, maybe, because it's an AFC West battle, and that's going to be the Raiders versus the Broncos. But these are the three games. I mean, they are terrible. Get ready to take your naps. Or if you're you know, doing some kind of uh, rec sports with your kids, you're hoping, you're hoping that it's like a 3 o'clock kick or a four o'clock kick to your games because who cares about these final games? So Panthers hosting the Cardinals. Ugh, this is shitville right here. Carolina favored by one and a half. Over under is 43 points. I'm going to end up taking the Cardinals here because I know that the Panthers won last week and I was pulling for Baker the first two weeks when I picked Carolina. But after watching him a couple of games, he's just terrible. Now the Cardinals are really not much better. Uh, I mean... If you watch them play, you look at these two teams, and these are two at the bottom of the barrel right now. But I'm still going to take the Cardinals because I think that Kyler Murray has a better shot of turning a victory in here than Baker Mayfield. I, you know, Carolina's probably got the better of the two defenses. Cardinals might have the better of the two offenses. McCaffrey's also a question mark for Carolina. He's going to be playing bang, banged up. So I'm taking the Cardinals. My brother's taking the Cardinals. Right now, the Sharps are taking the Panthers, and Tons of money and tickets. Granted, it's Saturday, and this is a 4 o'clock game, so people might be loading up later you know, on Sunday or after the ones or as the ones approach finality. But right now, 85% of the tickets and 87% of the money in on the Cardinals here. So Cardinals, one-and-a-half-point dogs. A lot of people going with them, including my brother and I. 43 is the over-under. Shit game on the docket, number two for 4 o'clock. Packers hosting the Patriots. Patriots, no Mac Jones. Packers favored by nine-and-a-half. Forty-and-a-half points is the over-under here. Big money in on the Patriots at 60% of the money pool. Tickets small lean toward the Packers. Sharps are going to take the Packers here. My brother are going to take the Packers here. I'm going to take the Patriots. I just think that I think that the nine and a half is just a little too much. I, I, I you know, granted, you're going with a backup quarterback for New England, but still they could run the ball a ton, try to control the clock, milk the clock, I keep the score down. You know, and the Packers have been coming around a little bit. Their, their defense has started to wake up a little bit. There's still questions on offense, but I think nine and a half still is, uh, you know, question will get. Not to mention when this game opened, I think it was seven and a half on the look-ahead line, and it really hasn't moved all that much. Uh, I think it went to eight and a half, then it went to nine and a half, and I think it was nine and a half when I last checked. It could be gone 
back down to eight and a half. Um, you'll check your local sports books to see what the actual line is. But regardless, I just think it's too many points. So I'm going to take the Patriots. My brother thinks that they are going to cover in Green Bay. And then the final awful game, as mentioned earlier, is the Raiders-Broncos. Maybe if these two teams were playing really well, AFC divisional game. This is the one that you would talk about at, at four o'clock. But man, both Las Vegas and Denver have played so bad right now. The Raiders are going to be favored at home here by two and a half over under is 40 and 45 and a half points. The Sharps are going to come in on the side of Denver. Meanwhile, the tickets and a lot of money are on the Raiders. Tickets 58%, 66% of the money pool though on Las Vegas. What do you do with this game? I have no clue. I'm going to take Las Vegas at home because to me, this is kind of like a season game for them. I mean, they, they cannot lose this game at home to Denver. To a Denver team, who I, you know, Hackett looks lost. Russell Wilson looks washed up. Their defense is keeping them in this game. And they still get, you know, Cortland Sutton's good. And they do have solid running backs in Gordon and Javante Williams. But it just hasn't come together. And the Raiders... I mean, they've got to win. This is this literally is the have-to win of the season for the Raiders because if they fall here, and I guess er, they said earlier in the week they had closed-door meetings between Davis and, uh, and, and what do you call it, McDaniels. I mean, man, you lose this game, and that's pretty much the season because how do you turn it around after you get off to such a shitty start, especially to a Denver team that just – really has not shown you anything you know they got the win last week but god it was garoppolo was so bad which was a big contributor to it so anyway i'm taking las vegas my brother is going to take uh, i'm taking vegas brother's taking denver sharps on denver as well and so then the final game of the week is going to be the monday night game we talked about the sunday night game that's the tampa kc game so monday night is going to see san francisco host the los angeles rams 49ers favored by one and a half points the over under here is 42 right now big tickets in on the rams at 67 percent the sharps are with san francisco as of now and the money is basically split I'm going to end up taking the Rams here. I think that the injury to Trent Williams on the 49ers line is going to be a rather big factor. I don't think Garoppolo has looked good. They have video now of Garoppolo (laughs) saying your plays suck uh, when he threw that interception. And so people think that that was pointed at Shanahan. Obviously, they didn't want him as the quarterback. They have him now. I thought that was going to be a move in the right direction for San Fran. But you know what? It just did not look good last week. The Rams haven't looked good either, though, and so I'm a little shaky picking Los Angeles, but I think their defense might be able to create a little havoc here, especially with that injury on the line for the 49ers. So I am ultimately going to go with the Rams. My brother also going with the Rams. We're going to be the opposite side of the Sharps there as the Sharps end up going for San Francisco. So that is the total. That Those are the games in their totality is what I was trying to say. And now we will kick to fourth down where we'll take a look at what we're going to do with our cash and give you all our picks. Fourth down. Okay, time to put our money where our mouth is. It is our week four picks and bets. We will start off with our best bets. I took Pittsburgh three and a half at home to beat up on the lowly Jets. My brother 
the big spread didn't scare him. He's taken Philadelphia at home, six and a half point favorites over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Our super contest picks, our five best picks of the week. I took Pittsburgh, then I took Minnesota. I took Arizona on the road there, getting one and a half. I took the Raiders in what I thought was a must-win game, favored by two and a half, and then Atlanta as the home dog, and they were getting one and a half. My brother, he had some similarities. He ended up, he did take Arizona, and that was where the similarities ended. So there's only one game. So not a lot of similarities, just one. But he took Arizona in the one and a half. He also took the Rams at plus one on the road. So the, the dog there in the NFC West battle. So Arizona, Los Angeles Rams. He took Cleveland, favored by one. So we're on opposite ends there. I took Atlanta. He's taking Cleveland, Dallas. And then Cincinnati, Cincinnati already was a lock. He got these picks in earlier in the week. I'm just getting to record the podcast now, so that's there. So he's already 1-0 with Dallas, Cleveland, Arizona, and Los Angeles Rams lined up. Um, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Arizona as well. That's where we align. Las Vegas and Atlanta. Our parlays. I took Pittsburgh in Minnesota. That's a two-team parlay. That's my parlay of the week. He took Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Detroit. Cincinnati's already a check mark, so now he's looking for Buffalo and Detroit. Teasers. He ended up taking Tennessee, teasing them up. Philadelphia, teasing them down. And Green Bay, teasing them down. So he tried to make short home favorites out of Philly and Green Bay. And then Tennessee, he thought that game was going to be close, so he bumped that up. I believe it's at three right now, so that ends up going up to nine. And then took Tennessee. Great minds think alike. When I go to my teaser, my first leg, Tennessee, plus nine. Had the same thought process there versus the Colts, who shouldn't have won last week. I ended up taking Philadelphia. Like I said, great minds. We'll take a like. Tease that down. I ended up taking the short home favorite there. And then with my last leg of my tease, I took the Buffalo-Baltimore point total at 51. Jacked that up to 57, and then I'm going to take the under. I just have a feeling that the defenses might come to play this game. And if that's the case, with all the unders being the trend right now, you jack that up to 57, and then you take the under. So again, my tease, Tennessee, Philly, Buffalo. My brother had similar with Tennessee and Philadelphia, but then he took Green Bay as I took that over under. He's taking Green Bay, making that the short home favorite. Prop bets. He took Deontay Johnson, getting over 64 and a half yards receiving. I took Zach Wilson under eight and a half yards rushing. He's just coming back from this knee injury. I can't really see him running in any kind of strategic or planned way. So then the question becomes, is he going to scramble for his life for eight and a half yards? And I just don't see it. I think he'll be rather conservative, maybe takes a sack or two rather than rush. I just have a lot of skepticism about putting pressure on that knee in his first game back. So I'm taking the under eight and a half yards there for my prop bet. This brings us to our gambling. So I will kick it off here. I have 9,500 as my bankroll, down 500 from our initial 10,000. So I am still net negative, but this is what we're going to do here. We're going to take Pittsburgh and the money line. I am going to put 500 on there to pull in 760, hoping to take that 260, apply that to either losses or add it to the wins. I am then going to take another 500 and I'm going to put it on Arizona's money line. I was in my super contest. It's not necessarily my best bet, but I got my best bet here. 
trying to pull in a little bit of the money line. Now I'm going to put Arizona because I think they're going to win. And I'm going to put 500 on their money line to pull in 976. So say I'm right with Pittsburgh and Arizona, then I'm going to pocket the 260 from the Pittsburgh plus the extra 470. And so I'll be up a nice chunk of change there. If not, let's say Arizona goes south. Hopefully the Pittsburgh lands and I can take the 260, apply that to my 500 loss and then split the difference there at 250. So again, first two bets out of the gate, both 500 bucks, Pittsburgh and Arizona money lines. Then I am gonna do some parlays. I'm gonna do a money line parlay. This is some spec money right here, 25 bucks on this one. Tennessee, Baltimore, Seattle, and Denver, all the win. Tennessee, Baltimore, Seattle, Denver, the 25, if they all win, lands me 840. So there's some spec money trying to get a little booster here to my bankroll. I am also going to do the Minnesota-Pittsburgh parlay that I spoke about earlier. I'm going to put 100 on those two teams for 372. Then we get down to a tease that I'm going to do. It was the tease I talked about. Tennessee, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Baltimore, under. I'm going to put 100 there for 260. And then I'm actually going to put 100 on that Zach Wilson under 8.5 yards. So my picks this week are really what's fueling all of my gambling. Now, my brother, his bankroll is a little less than mine. I pegged it earlier at, I think, 8700 and I actually screwed that up. Uh, he's actually at 8900 I was quickly looking through some of my uh, notes here that he had sent me, and I actually juiced up his losses on his prop bets from last week. So he's at 8900 So I got him about 600 bucks. He's down about a G. I'm down about 500 And so here's what he's going to do today. Tomorrow, actually. So he is going to put 100 bucks straight up on the Buccaneers. He is going to put 100 bucks straight up on the Rams. Those are two money line bets. He is going to take the Cowboys and the three points. He's going to put 100 bucks there. So he's got three single game bets, two money lines in the Bucks and the Rams. They are both dogs. He's going to take them to win. And then he's taking the Cowboys and the points. He is going to then do some money line parlays. Loves them when they hit. It really juices up his, his bottom line. He is going to go Bengals, Vikings, Titans for 50 bucks to net 325. He's already got Cincinnati in the bank, so he's really hoping the Vikings and Titans come through there. So again, money line, Bengals, Vikings, and Titans. He's also going to do a $100 money line parlay on Philly, Cowboys, Packers, and Rams. So Philly just to win. Cowboys just to win, Packers just to win, and then the Rams. So basically, you're looking at three favorites at home, and then you look at the Rams to upset San Francisco. That 100 pulls in 550. His tease is going to be Philadelphia making that the short dog, the Packers making them a shorter home, uh, sorry, making the Eagles a short home favorite, making the Packers a short home favorite. I hope I did that right earlier when I was talking. If not, now I corrected myself here. Philly, Packers, short home favorites. Bucks, juicing them up to seven. Rams, juicing them up to seven and a half. So again, Eagles and Packers down. Bucks and Rams up 100 to win 360. That's his tease. And then he's got two props. He's got $50 on Ezekiel Elliott rushing under 56 and a half yards versus the commander's defense. And he has Mark Andrews getting over 63 and a half yards. Both those props, both 50 bucks to pull in 100. So those are all of our bets and our picks for week four. I will return to Jersey after this glorious weekend down here in Florida celebrating Chris's big 4-0, or as he likes to say, his 29th birthday yet again. And I will be 
going back up to, uh, you know, freezing cold New Jersey where the fall has come in with uh, just a vengeance as it just got cold really quick. And so next uh, week, whether it's Thursday, Saturday, or whenever I get to the podcast, uh, I will be there. My brother will be here still enjoying the glorious weather uh, that is Florida. You wonder why people come down here? It's not too hard once you arrive because it really is nice. But anyway, enjoy everybody's week for NFL watching, the Monday night games, the Thursday night games, whenever we get together again and talk about how we can make some money and look at how we did previously. Along with every tits and tidbits. Oh, there it is again. Tits and tidbits. That's like my new thing here. See, I just make up all this shit as I stammer and I just come up with stupid things that come out of my mouth and tits and tidbits was what I came up with, I think, week one and I just said it again. So, enjoy week four. Peace out.